Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff. It's a podcast about people who did stuff. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. And with me today, as my guest, is the only person who has written a book about hot dogs that is currently on my bedside table because I haven't started it yet. Ooh, I was, like, I was wondering where the, how that sentence was going to end, and I'm very satisfied with where it landed. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a treat. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to read it. It was waiting for me when I came back from the trip. Although now it was, I was ended up like kind of sad because I saw you on this trip and I didn't get it signed. Which is the lesson that you should never pre-order books. That is the lesson that I think that that's true. I, I will be carrying that lesson into to sabotage everyone I know. Really, yeah. Because if you pre-order <laughs> yeah. books, it helps people's careers amazingly. Like the fact that Jamie Loftus is now a New York Times bestselling author. It's the perfect crime. It's the <laughs> Magpie is complicit in, in this crime. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's cool. And you can put that on books from now on and people will be like, hell yeah. And people can't give you shit anymore. Because if people give you shit, you can they be like... Can. They don't know I'm, it was only one week because of pre-orders. Pfft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It really is like actually why I push pre-orders so hard with with everything that I publish is that I'm totally like, it matters a lot. It's disproportionate. But mm-hmm. the rest of the credits, the other voice that you're hearing is the one and only Sophie Lichterman. Hi, Sophie. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. My friends are here. Yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day. Yeah, friends are here. Dogs here. I can see your dog, Magpie. That's yeah, good. my dog is sleeping on the floor behind my chair. At some point, he'll get up and run around and have too much energy because it's too hot out. So he doesn't like spending all this time outside. So he has too much I, energy. I am, I am sad to not be able to see Flea, Jamie's cat. Oh, me too. Boy. He's no. a good boy. He'll be he'll be with me soon enough. But yeah, he's just been really hating 
he's he's a real hater of global warming more so than most people because <laughs> in, in only only in selfish ways but he's just been sort of like climbing around my dad's house hissing at the general vibe fair you don't know what he gets up to at night he could be off trying to confront global warming in a more direct way it's true he's doing direct action but only at night <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's when the best direct action is done that's often true depending mm-hmm. on the type of direct action you want to do which are we talking about some today but Ooh, okay wait first our audio editor is ian everyone wants to say hi to ian including hi, the ian. audience hi ian. Ian. ian ian our theme music was written for us by unwoman jamie you've ever heard of the molly mcguire's Ooh, no it just sounds like someone who's probably related to me <laughs> Maybe. We'll find out over my the grandma, course of this episode. My grandma's maiden name was McGuire, and she has so many oh, siblings shit. that died. Probably one was named Molly. Um, so Molly McGuire herself was potentially fictitious, and we'll talk about that. Ooh, exciting. But, okay. Yeah. Okay, so this week, we're going to talk about what happens when owners drag strikes out indefinitely in order to break a union. Why oh, wow. the hell will we be talking about that? Hmm. Okay. I, you know, Seems random, know. but... I know. Just completely random thing that's happening. This week... Oh, my God. We're going to start by going back to the 18th and 19th century to talk about the long history of collective retributive agrarian violence and secret societies in Ireland. Oh, Okay. I'm so excited for this. This feels <laughs> like an algorithm chose uh, for me. This is great. Yeah, no, I, I, I really lost myself in researching this one. <laughs> I've a lot of rabbit holes. This is great. And we'll talk about how that came to a head and lives in the American imagination in the coal fields of northeastern Pennsylvania, where some mm-hmm. Irish miners took it upon themselves to defend their community and their way of life against their bosses. Or, depending on how you want to look at it, they became just another shitty gang. But 16 mine bosses and cops and shit got murdered. 20 Irish men ended up hanged. All because they weren't allowed to unionize anymore. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, I did have to do the standard brain check of uh, not children, minors. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, People who go into the, the mines. Um, actually, to make <laughs> yes. it even more complicated, they're actually mostly mine laborers and not miners because miner was the specialized job and mine laborers got paid a third as much money. And Oh, it's like animation writers and, <laughs> and live action writers. Interesting. There's no Ooh, comparison thought, with what's happening now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> sorry, um, I'm just, I'm, pro- I'm projecting. Everything is about yeah. me. Wait, I thought you were, I thought that sentence was going... It's difficult to talk about because most of them are minor minors, which would be kind of a, I mean, oh. a nightmare semantically, but also, you know, realistically. I'm glad it was. It I'm is glad it didn't go that way. I mean, I mean, a, a lot of them are about a third of them are children. Um, like, probably the, some the of the minors are minors. Time. Yeah. Although, actually, ironically, early on in the coal fields, and we'll talk more about this in a little bit. Early on in the coal fields, there was actually better labor conditions than later once it became more monopolized. And this group is going to kind of span that difference. And for a while, children were actually uh, not allowed to go into the mines, but instead were shale breakers who hung out on the surface and broke rocks all day. It's not 
great, but it doesn't give you black. You got to wait till you're like maybe 16 before you can get start getting black lung, which many yeah, of today's it, characters die of. Oh wow! Okay, wow! <laughs> this is so fast. I, it's I I I I can't even conceive of what story happening right now that this could be um, a, a reflection of. But I'm also thinking about because I just can't not think about hot dogs until I die now mm-hmm. um, about, about meat packing too. I feel like I'm going to have some, yep. some meat packing um, symmetry here. I'm, I'm so excited to hear about this because meat packing that, also, it just, yeah. it feels like an industry that um, has gotten progressively worse as time goes on. Yeah. I learned that actually, I learned that from you reading an excerpt of your book. And if people like history about this kind of thing, I recommend raw dog. By Jamie Loftus. <laughs> so this week we're going to talk about the Molly Maguires, which was a semi-real secret society of poor Irishmen who declared their lo- loyalty to a mythological woman, broke out and broke out weapons. And they did this in two countries. And to tell this story that came to head in 1877, we are, of course, going to go back across the ocean to 100 years earlier to the mythical emerald land of leprechauns and fairies called Ireland. There's this country or island or whatever. It's called Ireland. We've covered Irish stuff a bunch of times on this show already. Uh, people should check out when we talked about Roger Casement, the gay Irish knight who brought down King Leopold and was killed for trying to end English rule in Ireland. Or Grace O'Malley, the pirate queen of the west coast of Ireland. And I, I talk more about the greater breadth of Irish history and I think those episodes. And those actually weirdly bookend what we're talking about. Grace O'Malley was before, Roger Casement's after. Mm-hmm. We're going to start in the 18th century. Ireland was really fucking poor in the 18th century. Um, It had plenty of resources, uh, but it was a colony. (laughs) And colonies are set up so that the Brits can extract your value. Don't seem to really benefit from their many resources, yeah. No, yeah. It was Britain's first colony. Uh, They they famously went on to have a few more. Mm -hmm. You never forget your first time. I know, I know. The, the one that got away. Fortunately, most most of them have gotten away at this point. Wow. Really, really horrific metaphor we're crafting here. <laughs> yeah. In 1695, you get the Irish penal codes. The Popery Law of 1704 basically said that if you're Catholic, I know, if you're Catholic, you can't have any, any land. You can't own any land on your own island if you're Catholic, mm-hmm. um, which for anyone keeping track, most of the indigenous people of Ireland were Catholic and most of the uh, settlers were Protestant. This is, there's blurriness here and I'm not trying to make like grand generalizations, but that's a big part of all of this. I feel like probably- That'd be funny if this is where you came out as uh, extremely pro-Catholic. You're like, this is, as we all know, a Catholic <laughs> podcast. So <laughs> it's really upsetting. Okay. I mean, what's funny is that like, this is actually an episode about exactly the part of Catholicism I like, which is the Catholics who hate the church. Ooh. Yes, that is a very powerful and and under-discussed area. I mean, granted, for for good reason, but I don't know. Has, has anyone else on this call been personally victimized by Catholicism? I got really lucky in that I was technically raised Catholic by someone who's effectively pagan and didn't make me go to church. So I kind of got Ooh. raised by the kind of Catholics that we're talking about today. Instead. Oh, okay. So you 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 won the Catholic lottery. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it you were not so lucky. 
Uh, no, but there's certainly uh, people who in in my in my own uh, home state that had it worse. Yeah, fair enough. So, so the Catholics are suddenly dispossessed. Uh, so the Irish are no longer allowed to own land in Ireland, and so people had been on this land for millennia, and they suddenly found they didn't own the place anymore. Um, and it didn't help that traditional Brehan law, the pre-Christian law in Ireland, that was still kind of going a little bit at this point. Um, didn't have the same conceptions of absolute land ownership. So it's part of how they showed and be like, you don't even like own this. So we, we can just like own it, you know? Mm-hmm. Ireland was carved up by Protestant landowners, many of whom were British, uh, many of whom were Irish-born descendants of the British, and it was carved up into these estates, and suddenly everyone owed rent. I don't know if you've ever been vi- personally victimized by rent, but it is another system of extraction, much like the Catholic um... Church. Actually, not currently, Margaret, because I just got evicted. So, (laughs) (laughs) kind of uh, slaying on a different level. No, no fault, no fault eviction. I also just to say, not that it matters, but yes, yeah. There's plenty of eviction-related slaying about to happen in this story. Yes. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) So suddenly, you. Your landlord is making money off of you. It's even more egregious because of the family. Your family had owned the place since time of memorial, and your landlord is some guy with a British accent, or even just speaking English at all. Different parts of Ireland were were and weren't speaking English. Um, and that guy, your landlord, doesn't even live in the country. Um, and he takes all of your wages, the, the rent you pay, and he uses it to hire people to kill you and beat you up, uh, in this case Oof. called colonial troops, more commonly understood now as police. Mm. Um, not really big into capitalism or imperialism as listeners to the show might be aware. <laughs> okay, see, that's mm-hmm. uh, the pro-Catholic thing I just wanted to... to, to that uh-huh. I knew, though. That I knew. Uh, yeah. Um, so, the Irish in the 17th century, 18th century, they're, they're poor as fuck overall. And despite what British mm. newspapers claimed, they weren't stupid. They knew what was happening. And no one has ever successfully claimed that the Irish are cowards. So they decided to do something about it. There's a lot of ways that they decide to do something about it. Many of those ways involved like organizing and trying to have revolutions and shit. And those are great. And we have talked about some of them and we'll talk about more of them. But today, that's not what we're talking about. Today, we're going to start with what's called agrarian violence. Ooh, um, good band name. I know. And a better band name than what's about to happen, which is it started in the way that nothing else good has ever started or ever will, because it started with the White Boys. Oh, horrible band name. The worst band name I can think of. <laughs> There's so many unfortunate things in the back of this, of the, in this story, where I'm like, mm. <laughs> everything's really just, cool except for this one part that really people shouldn't try need, and copy. We just need a, a second draft. Yeah. Yeah, that's the real revisionist history is we're literally going to just change history. Not change what we talk about. (laughs) But we're going to go back in time and be like, this isn't going to read good in a couple hundred years. You won't believe. I mean, things are, we're doing great. Yeah. But um, yeah, we just need a a name change. Yeah. So you have all these tenant farmers and I'm going to conflate a whole lot of geography and uh, like an entire century into one overly convenient narrative. But Landlords weren't charging as much rent as they possibly could overall. Um, sorry, were charging much money as much money as they possibly could overall. The Anglican mm-hmm. Church, they're in on it too. They're charging tithes, aka taxes, on the land. Um, 
So you have to pay tithes for a church for a foreign religion, as well as your taxes to your landlord. The landlords could charge a ton for farming land. And they'd be like, well, look, we're charging you all this money for the farming land, but you have all of the access to the commons. You have all of this access to grazing land. And so it's fine. You'll be fine. It's, it's going to be totally fine. The commons was this age-old tradition of having a fuck ton of land that just kind of belongs to everyone where you can like graze your animals and harvest timber and shit. I'm going to come back to the white boys, but first, do you want to hear about how Ireland lost all its trees? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, but yes, I do. I know, I know. It's kind of heartbreaking. Um, yeah. In the BC This is, it, this is like the thing. Irish Lorax story? Yeah. I mean, is there Irish Lorax? It's like, it's more like um, the Lorax's children have come back for vengeance. Ooh, okay. I would watch this A24 movie that um, rocks. Yeah. So Ireland used to be about 80% forested in the sort of BC times. In pre-Christian mm-hmm. Ireland, you had, uh, in pre-Christian Ireland, you had Brehan Law, which included cool shit like women can initiate divorce, which actually like, when I talk about the like weird Catholic folk Catholicism of Ireland, like I did an episode where it talks about how like women in the 16th century who were ostensibly Catholic were divorcing their husbands. Um, because Wild. Because th- that was part of Irish Catholicism because Irish Catholic, anyway. It wasn't Roman Catholicism. It was distinct. Don't tell current Irish Catholics they will not take well to this revelation. No, no. Yeah. Uh, we'll even talk about how that happened in the mid-19th century. Yay! So, because Brehan Law survived the Christianization of Ireland, started in the 4th century, um, and it didn't really start going away until the English, or rather the Normans first in the 12th century. Mm. Brehan Law survived longer in some places, which is how you have these Catholics getting divorced. Then Henry VIII and Queen Elizabeth in the whatever century, early modern, late Renaissance, whatever the fuck. Um, I didn't write down the years and I don't remember off the top of my head because I read too many books. Henry VIII and Queen Elizabeth were like, man, you know what we hate? The forest. We hate that the Irish have forests. They specifically hated the forests. Um, Because the Irish kept hiding in the forest to kill all the British people. Um, Okay, so it was not... I mean, not that this makes it better, but I was like, is, is it just a random, like, I woke up today and decided that I, because it seems like imperial types do that as well, where they're like, you know what I'd yeah. like to destroy forever today? Yeah. I mean, that's like kind of what colonization itself is. Like, yeah, ah, what yeah. if I just go over there and just destroy everything? I'm cranky um, today. What if I ruined thousands of people's lives generationally forever? Yeah. They cut down all the forests and they turned it into boats so they could like build an armada against Spain or whatever. Um, by 1600, Irish forest, forests are down to 12% of the island. In the 1600s, the English also started killing all the wolves. Bastard alumni of the pod, Oliver Cromwell, paying a bounty to kill wolves. Mm. The, historically, the Irish were like really into wolves and they, their enemies called them wolves a lot. And so it was also there's like symbolism in killing all the wolves. By 1656, there's only 2% of the forest left, which is how it is now, 350 years later. There's still only 2% of the forest left in Ireland. Wow. There's been, have there, well, I mean, this is out of the scope, but I'm curious Mm. if there's been reforestation efforts. I'm imagining there has been, but I mean. There are. And actually a lot of this this little chunk comes from, um, I forgot to write down the name of a group, a group that is working to reforest Ireland. 
Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. No, it's interesting because there is this whole movement to um, reclaim a lot of uh, traditional Irish values and, and culture and language. And some of that includes reforesting and stuff like that. As the proud owner of a hat that says sci-fi sluts for reforestation, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very in favor of this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. By 1786, the last wolf in Ireland was killed. Wow. When I was 16, I like visited my family in Ireland and I saw that there like weren't any trees at all. And I like just cried and wrote a bunch of shitty poetry about it. Anyway. I wish I, 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 it is my, uh, one of my great wishes. Well, my dad is still young enough to sort of mm-hmm. make the trip with me to, to go back to his, because his memories of Ireland, they're very funny because it's like we're, I think I'm, I'm third generation mm-hmm. American. Um, and my dad used to have to go back to the farm that his family was from in like the depths of Galway and work for the summer. Um, and so every time I'm like, let's go to Ar- Galway together. And he's like, boo, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, they, they can't make you work anymore. You're old. Come on. I'm also third generation from Galway. So no way. <gasps> Wow. We should, Cosmically connected. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe uh, some of our ancestors suffered on the same farmland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fled at the same time. Mm. So Ireland has these tenant farmers. They're told they can't access the commons, which was the justification for the high rents. And so the enclosure movement happens, which is basically um, one of the worst things that's ever happened in all of history and actually pretty much mm-hmm. capitalism comes out of it. And probably the reason that we're all going to drown and die of global warming is because of this thing that happened in England around this time and that they brought over to Ireland, which is they went around and they stole all the communal land and created a yeah. new economic system based on that. The, the landlords, they're like, what if instead of letting peasants graze their livestock and grow food on all this common lands, what if we just throw fences around it, arrest everyone who trespasses and steal their livestock and hold it for ransom and call it impoundment? Uh huh. So they do that, and and this dispossesses not just the Catholics, but Catholics and Protestants. This is a class thing and not a um a religious thing, a sectarian thing. I see. And in the 18th century, there actually wasn't as much sectarian conflict along class line within class lines in Ireland. Um, it was fairly united in the like fuck this attitude, and so you okay. get what's called agrarian violence. The Irish have a reputation for being fighty, but it's usually perceived as like drunk and angry men hitting each other with shillelaghs. But agrarian violence is not that. It is class Mm -hmm. warfare against the rich, um, or rather Mm -hmm. collective Um, Mm self-defense. Not all of it was good. Some of it was very good. And it started with the white boys. Oh, God. Magpie, you know the sentence that just came out of your mouth. I know. I know. (laughs) All right, but I'm 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 listening nonetheless. Yeah, there's so many complicated things. But before I tell you about the white boys, <laughs> why don't oh, I no. tell you about? It'd be really awkward if potatoes was the sponsor today. Um, well, I mean, before before you talk about the white boys, let's toss the white boys a couple of bucks. Because yeah. they make most products and services, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a really at least benefit from them. Woohoo. <laughs> Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. 
Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next-day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit RightRug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. So the White Boys in this context is somewhere between an organization, a secret society, and a tactic. Um, mm. Some groups formed and officially called themselves the White Boys. Others just used the tactic. tactic, And it was basically all, all anti-landlord violence that happened around this time was called White Boyism. Again, a label we will not be bringing back. This was not about... They wore white clothes when they did this stuff. They often wore white dresses. This was often men dressing as women. So Irish men would uh, dress up in white clothes, often dresses, pledge their allegiance to a mythical woman or goddess named Siv Altak, um, or ghostly Amazing. Sally in English, Ooh. or to other mythical women named Johanna Meskill or Sheila Meskill. And then they would go out in the middle of the night and threaten, beat, and assassinate landlords, bailiffs, land agents, Tenants who moved into people's homes who they'd just been evicted from. And basically anyone who went against, I guess you could call it the people's law. And you call a lot of things. You call it community self-defense. You could call it terrorism. There are a lot of words for what they did. Mm -hmm. Most extensively, this happened in the northern, middle, and northern, western parts of the country, especially in places um, where Irish culture was being impacted most directly by colonial culture at that time. Okay. And the white boys were explicitly non-sectarian. Um, but meanwhile, sectarianism and nationalism and revolution are brewing. It's mm -hmm. something I hadn't really thought through about Irish revolutionary movements and anti-colonial movements is that like mm -hmm. you take countries that are colonial forces like, like the U.S. or Rhodesia who have these like quote-unquote revolutions where the colonists want to be free from their home country. Um, mm -hmm. But they actually like are still the settlers and controlling the economy and, and fucking over the people who originally lived there, you know? Right. And then you have actual anti-colonial movements when indigenous people want to be free. And Ireland mm. had both. Yes. And they often worked together. Uh, some people were like, I don't like paying taxes anymore on the money that I steal from all these poor people. And other people, the Catholics, were like, how come we're not equal? Fuck this. Also, fuck England. Mm -hmm. And they worked together, and they wanted a republic. Uh, spoiler alert, they failed. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. that's too um, bad. Yeah. I, I knew that, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, the world would be different 
It would be so different. Um, no I potato know. famine, no mass immigration. So Ooh. they managed to take part of the island as the Irish Republic, only a small part of it, and it lasted about 12 days. This was not an incredibly successful. This was um, 1698, 1798. Oh, God. You, you think mm-hmm. I would have written it down in the script? 1798. But part of the way that England won is they did some divide and conquer shit. They told all the Protestants in the North, hey, if you turn your back on all the Catholics that you're fighting alongside of, We'll forgive you for your little rebellion. People took them up on it. And that's where a lot of sectarianism comes from in Ireland. That is the start of sectarian gangs of Protestants and Catholics murdering each other. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't perfect before that. Um, but more and more historians are coming around to the most, the most of the early struggle was not religiously sectarian. Um, and it was interesting. Uh, class and anti-colonial focused. So the secret oh, society talking about shit like that. People hate mm-hmm. that. I know. No, and yeah. What what would I keep reading? All these historians being like, one of the problems is that since Ireland kind of won its independence, um, mm-hmm. everything got rewritten to be about Irish nationalism and specifically Irish Catholic nationalism, and everything kind of got rewritten uh. to be like the Catholic Church is the heroes of all of this, <laughs> and they sort of used it to impose a theocratic state right. for most of the 20th century in the Ireland and prevent people from controlling their bodies. Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's always, I, I, I feel like you have a, a unique ability to force me to hold two realities <laughs> for the duration of an episode. Um, <laughs> that the Catholics are oppressed and that the Catholic Church was monstrous. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The Catholic Church that, that, that has existed in our lifetime and, and the one that you're talking about. Um, yeah. yeah, totally. And okay, so the secret societies in Ireland, they split at this time too. The Protestants mm-hmm. formed the Orange Order, who are still around and they're right-wing pro-England guys. And the Catholics, um, absolutely without the church's blessing and against the church's direct order, um, because they're folk Catholics, not Roman mm-hmm. Catholics, mm-hmm. they formed their own new groups called, with all kinds of names, and the ones that I've written down or found are the Threshers, the Lady Clares, the Terry Alts and the Ribbon Men. These are uh, roller derby teams, and you know it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the Ribbon Men is all butch, and it rules. Ooh, ooh, and I'm and I'm rooting for them ferally at each and every match. I know, yeah. except when they go against the Lady Clares, who are all trans women. <laughs> um. <laughs> And then you're 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 kind of you're you're going back and forth. You're like, hmm, I can't yeah. really lose in this scenario. Yeah, I know, right? Whoever <laughs> wins, we win. Um, yeah. And so all of these groups get conflated together. Uh, the most famous of these is the Ribbon Men. So I'm going to follow their thread. Mm-hmm. They started as a group called the Society of Ribbon Men, and they were an outgrowth of the Defenders, which was a radical Republican Catholic sectarian group who had been uh, they were absorbed into the United Irish prior to the Revolution of 1798. So there had been this group, and then 1798 came and failed, and then uh, the Society of the Ribbon Men came out. But they were um, they were radically Republican, also, even though they just. But they were specifically at the start anti-clerical uh, again because okay. the church was like, "You can't do this," and they were like, "We're gonna anyway." Um, right. And they got their name because they wore a green ribbon in their buttonhole. And there were two main centers of the Ribbon Men between 1822 and 1840. One was in Dublin, the other was in North Central Ireland. In North Central Ireland, the Orange Order was very strong. And so there was a lot of just like 
street fights. Some of the ribbon men stuff was this going around at night and fucking shit up. Um, a lot of it was just getting into street fights with the, the Protestant gangs. Regardless, uh, I think that the, the white boys could really take, uh, take some hints, some tips from the ribbon men and just, you know, name themselves a little mm-hmm. more vaguely. The ribbon men could mean anything. I yeah. could be on their side. I could not be on their side. Yeah, I know. I don't want to be on the white boys' side just instinctively. I know. And then the fact that we are, we are put in this position, it seems very unfair. Oh, it's going to get worse. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> the Molly Maguires do some stuff that... We'll get to it. Um, okay. So they spread to, the, to England and Scotland as the Hiberian Funeral Society, um, which mm-hmm. is probably... It almost certainly means this is a fraternal order where people come together. Like, before people had health insurance and stuff, you would join a fraternal order, like um, the Masons are an example of this, and you would join okay. a fraternal order and you pay your dues. And then when you needed a funeral or a wedding or whatever, it would pay for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Hiberian Funeral Society was almost certainly just like the Irish people who need like working just class like people. When need you this. die and then your boys yeah. uh, throw you a funeral. Yeah, exactly. So your family yeah. can afford to see you in the ground and stuff. Right. It sounds like here's a society that's going to make you need a funeral. And they come from a group that absolutely <laughs> made some people need funerals. So, uh-huh. it's kind of cool. In 1825, they had a split. The majority formed St. Patrick's Fraternal Society in order to make the church happy mm. because the church was like, you can't have secret societies, fuck you. Um, but a bunch of them continued under the name Ribbon Men, or now you get the Molly Maguires. And oh. this was a, an agrarian-urban split in some ways. The agrarian folks were like, nah, I just want to fuck up landlords and be wild. Um, mm-hmm. The urban folks were like, you know, let's develop this into like a more of a nationalist thing for the freedom of Ireland, whatever. They're both fine. But following the ribbon men through this particular and the Molly Maguires, what would they do? Basically, their their motto was, if you fuck with the peasants, we'll fucking kill you. Um, Or... I mean, mm -hmm. no arguing. No arguing so far, but but what are their methods? (laughs) So... One of their main methods was what's called a coffin notice, which is where you go up and you put a threatening note on a door with a picture of a coffin on it. And you're like, this is you, buddy. You're going to be living Irish in this coffin. so dramatic. I yeah. love this. Just yeah. like, all right. All right. Jesus. I'm going to quote from a coffin notice that was posted on all the Catholic churches in one region in 1851. To I mean, landlords, agents, bailiffs, grippers. I have no idea what a gripper is. The internet won't tell rip- me. Wait, gripper or ripper? Gripper. Yeah. Mm. No idea. Irish yeah, slang got, from 1851 nothing. is hard to fucking Google. Um, especially Sounds when it's a word that... Me. I know. Um, maybe yeah. actually it's just a time-traveling person from the current uh, strike, and it's actually the, a key grip. Oh, <laughs> the best boys, the key grips. They're yeah. traveling through time to join yeah. the Molly Maguires. <laughs> yeah. I would watch that movie if we're allowed to make it. Yeah. <laughs> Do landlords, agents, bailiffs, grippers, process servers, and usurpers or underminers who wish to step into evicted tenants' property and to all others concerned in tyranny and oppression of the poor on the Bath estate, take notice, take notice is in all caps, that you are hereby, under the pain of a certain punishment which will inevitably occur, prohibited from evicting tenants, executing decrees, serving process, distraining for rent, or going into another's land, or to assist any tyrant, landlord, aid, or agent in his insatiable desire for depopulation, 
recollect the fact the fate of Maleveler on the, on this his anniversary dated May 23rd 1851 um Maleveler was a magistrate or a land agent guy who found himself suddenly dead uh, okay and not earlier. a cartoon dragon which was my guess yeah no yeah okay <laughs> okay until that, we that we make it yeah that absolutely rocks. I would be a fan of bringing back Maleveler as a cartoon dragon. And that <laughs> reminds me of like how there was this group of middle school juggalettes that I really wanted to be accepted <laughs> by. And they would say shit that in that kind of cadence. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful cadence. Yeah, I actually think there's some juggalette. There's some juggalette energy going on with the Molly Maguires we're going to talk about um, in terms of That's their theatrics and, and clothing okay. and questionable Ooh. decisions. <gasps> they have little outfits. Yes. Oh, they have outfits. Great. Um, Great. Especially makeup. And, well, okay. So, so now random acts of violence and agrarian violence, that are, uh, this, which are collective violence. Um, these are attributed mm -hmm. to white boys and ribbon men alike. Uh, but not to be outdone, onto the stage of history step our main heroes and kind of anti-heroes a little, the Molly fucking Maguires. There is likely continuity between the Defenders, the Ribbon Men, and the Molly Maguires. Um, almost everything we know about any of these groups comes from people who hate them. It is mostly the state trying to destroy them who writes all of the things that we have besides some coffin notices and one letter from like a hundred... from. Decades later in Pennsylvania that we'll get to. The, in 1850s, the Ribbon Men and the Maguires were probably the same organization or sort of non-organization. It was a lot of, kind of like Antifa. It's like, a, like, sometimes there's organizations that call themselves it, but lots of people just do it and call themselves it and use similar tactics. Oh, um, okay. So there's, so it's, it, historically, is it hard to tease out which is which? It is, and partly because a okay. lot of it revolves around conspiracy cases where the state uh, wants to claim that everyone is part of a formal organization. Um, and the newspapers that are... sound familiar. I know. It's very anti-factory. It's like, oh, all of these people, and in this case, all Irish people are like drunk, evil terrorists um, uh -huh. who are lazy, and that's why they go through incredible amounts of effort and risk their lives to defend the land they're on. That's the symptom of laziness, if I've ever heard one. Yeah, extreme effort that could kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when the Irish were driven off of land or enclosures were set up, the Molly Maguires would storm the place, tear down fences, drive off or mutilate and kill livestock. This is one of their not great moments from my point of view. You know, they're not big animal okay. rights people. Landlord agents were threatened, beaten and killed. Tenants who settled on evicted eviction land were treated the same way. Uh, merchants and millers were attacked if they charged too high of prices and pasture land was dug up and planted with potatoes. Even the Pinkerton who later investigated them and saw them hanged in the U.S. Uh, said that the Irish Molly Maguire's goal was to quote, to take from those who had abundance and give it to the poor. He I, described... Pinkerton is calling you Robin Hood. I know. I mean, where are we at? <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> he described their tactics as, quote, their mode of operation was to have their leader dressed up in a suit of women's clothing to represent the Irish mother begging bread for her children under this disguise. Um, the leader would be named Molly, would approach a storekeeper and, quote, demand the amount levied on him in the shape of me meal flour and general groceries. 
if the storekeeper didn't give the molly what uh, she asked for, the rest of the mollies would pour into the place and loot it and basically be like, and if you tell the pigs, we'll f- come back and fuck you up again. Um, Wait, yeah. so the, sorry, I just, uh-huh. so the act would be preceded by community theater. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, There's so there they should I mean we personally should bring that back cuz it's really hard to get people <laughs> to engage with community theater and <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> that fucking rocks. Again, yeah. I the the Irish are such drama queens in it, oh, like yeah. unbelievable. I love it. Yeah. So is there there's one Molly McGuire, like one Molly who's performing and then everyone else is wearing their regular clothes or is it, or is it a sea of Molly's? So as far as I can tell, cause actually this tactic was across, I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more too. The tactic kind of was across the British Isles at this point sometimes also. Um, oh. And, and it was a mix. It's like not everyone dresses up um, as a Molly, but a lot of people mm-hmm. do. And so I'm guessing the crowd that storms it is a mix. Um, and, this is just one of their tactics. Another tactic is they'll do like midnight justice where they all, maybe all of them dress up as women um, and then go and like break into someone's house. And we'll talk about the cross-dressing aspect in a minute. Um, but it comes from... Okay. Okay, well, we'll get to it. Okay, so there's a British guy with a sir in his name, Sir Th- Thomas Larkham, who said at the time, quote, there are in fact two codes of law enforcing an antagonism. One, the statute law enforced by judges and jurors in which the people do not yet trust. The other, a secret law enforced by themselves, its agents, the ribbon men and the bullet. One tactic they supposedly did, and I absolutely think this is scare tactics, that, that like this is like newspaper bullshit, mm-hmm. was that the Maguires would conceal needles in the grass so that the cows would eat them and die. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. sounds like... People put HIV-infected needles in the coin return slot of payphones, you know? Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, a classic. Yeah. They were shitty to animals, including cattle, horses, and hunting dogs owned by their enemies. They would uh, kill and mutilate animals as a, as a vengeance uh, quite often. Okay. The Maguires had a pagan taste to their festivityness, their, their like, theatricalness. Um, the retributive violence spiked around the Celtic celebrations of Halloween and May Eve. Mm-hmm. Possibly because folks were already dressing up in wild costumes for those. Um, anyone who wants, I didn't. I took this out of the script for sake of time, but I'm going to like paraphrase it back in. Um, you should look up the Wren Boys and the Straw Boys and the May Boys of Ireland um, for like <gasps> wild, cool folk costume, pagany, amazing stuff, um, and like weird masks and stuff. But incredible. So, so the the. Your working theory. Oh, the Wren boys. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, I am. Co-signed. Co-signed. There. So. So the the working theory is uh, Halloween is a good time to go out because everyone's dressed up, anyways. So I think it's like not like just that it's you're more disguised when you're. I think it's like more like, well, you're all worked up. You know, you come together mm-hmm. for this community celebration, and then you're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's like go get some shit done. Um, and then it also it'll tie into like some mummer stuff that I'll talk about in a second. And so they returned also tradition, the Molly Maguires. They didn't declare their loyalty to Sive, the um the the mythical woman that the the white boys did. 
But instead, they mm. called themselves the children of Molly Maguire, um, who probably wasn't a real person. But that doesn't stop there from being myths about her. One is that a widow named Molly Maguire refused to be evicted, and her house was destroyed on top of her. Um, and she wow. died. Another is that she'd just been evicted and like had been kicked out, and people banded together to avenge her. Mm-hmm. Another is that Molly Maguire owned an illegal bar where they all met to plan. Um, the best, okay. but probably least likely, is that there was a specific real woman named Molly Maguire who had pistols strapped to each thigh like fucking Tomb Raider who led the men on their nocturnal <sighs> raids. Okay, so like Irish Annie Oakley vibes, that's kind of fun. Yeah. I, there, I, I just uh, double-checked because mm-hmm. I was like, am I remembering this incorrectly? I do. You will not be able to find her because we don't have mm-hmm. the same last name. My grandma's maiden name is McGuire. My cousin's name is Molly, and her full name is Molly McGuire Blank. I don't think my family knows about the Molly McGuires, and this is an incredible revelation. Oh my god! But I, think I we've accidentally created. I bet your grandmother knew about the Molly radical. McGuires. I bet my grandmother did too, and she was probably like, "Yeah, let's name her this." <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> That's cool. That's I, I'm kind of I'm I'm thrilled about it. Yeah, because I'm I've got McGuire blood in me. Uh, so yeah. let's go with Molly McGuire's real, uh, and she's you know 26 and lives in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah all the women in my family are just named Margaret. <laughs> There's so many Margarets. <laughs> There's like multiple times where someone named Margaret, marries a man whose sister's named Margaret, and then they have a kid named Margaret. That that triangle of Margaret's has happened multiple times in my the Irish side of my family tree. Gorgeous. My my grandparents' names were Patrick and Patricia. Hell yeah. Uh, they sound like cartoon twins, but yeah, they, they are do. simply married people who Jamie, died eventually. Is that, is that how you picked the name Patricia from your Boss Who Miss Girl show? Yeah, it was for my grandma. Aww. Oh my gosh. I was like a stone cold bitch. I know. Just I was, like my grandma. Oh man. She's my heart my heart is full. I did not know that. <laughs> Pat Loftus, either of them. Big fans of both. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, so we're gonna talk about how they cross-dressed. Ooh, yay. We don't really know their reasons for this. They didn't tend to write things down. Um, a lot of Irish speaking parts of Ireland at this point didn't have much of a written culture and Anthropologists will refer to this as, it's not, it's not that they were illiterate, it's that they were part of a pre-literate culture. They participated in a culture that developed complex ways of passing along information without reading and writing, right? Um, and so the only reason that this information is lost is because that was disrupted um, partly by the colonization and heavily by the Catholic Church um, in the late part of the 19th century when they uh, tried to Romanize the Irish Catholics. This pre-literate culture goes back at least as far as the Druids who passed things along through word of mouth intentionally, even though there was writing available to them, right? Like uh, there is an Irish writing style called Ogham, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not how they chose to pass along most information. So wearing dresses, Mm -hmm. so this is why we don't know a lot. Um, I just want to like, when I'm like, they didn't write things down. I'm not like, that's because they were like too stupid or something. We don't have the tools, yeah. Yeah. So wearing dresses wasn't just about disguise. Um, It... Partly was about disguise, but it was also, it lent them a certain legitimacy, like a uniform, but like a mythical uniform, kind of a, um, a folk yeah. costume you're putting on to become a character so you're capable of doing more, right? And that became mm-hmm. the sons and daughters of Molly McGuire. Um, they mm-hmm. are also 
Here's one of the messiest parts of this whole story. They're remembered for blackening their faces. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I spent way too long this week trying to sort out medieval and early modern early modern face blackening to understand how it relates to blackface and how it relates to character characterizing uh, other races and stuff um Mm -hmm. i still don't entirely know where i land uh whether or not this was like a form of blackface um because okay there's a lot of different descriptions of it and well actually there's not a lot okay most descriptions are just like they darken their faces and don't say more than that whether or not uh I haven't found a source that says they painted their entire faces black. Only a source that describes them as painting their faces um, with burned cork and then smearing it over their eyes, mouths, and cheek, um, which is is, as corpse paint. That is this particular time that is being described, right? Is like what you imagine somebody who's into black metal wearing. But also many of them painted their faces white. Um, and so it was costuming, but it probably also, I'm not trying to like entirely get them off the hook about this. Um, it probably included costuming to represent oneself as having black skin because this was a common uh, medieval theatrical thing that people would paint their skin black. Either if you're like doing Shakespeare, you're like representing Othello, you do it and it's a white actor who paints their skin black, right? Um, you're just blackface. I I don't want to like mince words about that, but also still racistly, a lot of medieval um, theater used painting your skin black to represent evil and being the devil. Because in this particular theatrical tradition, the the devil had his skin turned black by God for mm. rebelling, which is racism. It's just a different form of it's it's still right. Bad. And and that that feels more like I don't. I mean, we we are still dealing with people doing blackface today. But but the but what you're talking about. The, blackening your face and referring to badness like that is i think something that we have not culturally even started to discuss yet because it's like then we're getting into juggalo territory like we were talking about yep (laughs) yeah i I see i see where you were going there that's okay that's uh well that's ugly yeah i suspect that molly mcguire's are doing this their whole vibe seemed to be put on Put on your war paint before you go out and kill the people who need killing, right? Sure. But I also don't think that, you know, historically, uh, I, I don't know. But also, it, I wouldn't put it past uh, predominantly, yep. you know, white country to be very, very racist. Yep. Even if the way they, they do that might be today, I'm the devil because I'm the same as a black person. Entirely right. fucking possible. Um, yeah. Or they were just yeah. fucking painting their eyes and lips, you know? And we don't. No, yep. uh, that's really because that's yeah, that's um, that's a Meyer. Wow, and okay. it it also might originate from mummery, which uh, was imported to Ireland by English and Scottish settlers in the 17th century. And mummers, it's this theatrical tradition where mummers would travel around on Midsummer and New Year's door to door in costume, demanding food, money, and drink. Um, we talk about some of this stuff in the the Christmas episode, actually, that we did. Um, And they would Mm -hmm. wear outlandish costumes, bright clothes, and strange makeup, including blackface. This blackface was almost certainly blackface um, in a traditional sense, uh, in the bad way, (laughs) you know? Well, I see. Okay. Even whatever. But you know what isn't problematic? (laughs) 
where uh, I have a guess. You I cannot. Guess. You cannot safely say that. Say that. You cannot safely say You're right. that. We do not pick our ads. <laughs> yeah. If this, if the ads that follow are problematic, you can direct all complaints to our complaint department on Twitter at I write okay. <laughs> and he will get back to you in a timely fashion and politely and discreetly. Yes. Yep. Yes. Here's some ads. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. So Ireland leads Europe in early modern history of men causing disturbances dressed up as women. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Threshers, we we mentioned them briefly as like, um, they went around enforcing Captain Thresher's laws. The the Peepo Day Boys, the the Lady Claire's, the Lady Rocks, these are all cross-dressers too. Okay. And allegiance to mythical women was like common in Irish culture as a sort of like source of power. Parishes and villages, um, a, a lot of residents would be like children of one mother within your community. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't just violence that called for wild costuming and cross-dressing. It was part of a lot of medieval and pre-medieval rituals. Um, all over Europe, men were dressing in women's clothes for ritual and festival. Um, but in Ireland in particular, it was also associated with anti-capitalist violence. And it lasted longer in more remote, less, quote, civilized places like the Gaeltacht, the uh, the part of Ireland where Irish language and uh, traditional culture lasted longer okay. um, through colonization. Mm-hmm. One other kind of cool, weird, kind of sexist, kind of not side of why they would cross dress apparently, or like why what the symbolism of of womanhood meant. Medieval society conflated womanhood with chaos and wildness and irrationality. Huh. Yeah. Which is like not fair, but also like kind of cool. It's the the it's a fun language choice. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um over in England you have a similar thing going on. Future friends of the pod, okay. the Luddites, uh, who are at war 
People were like, oh, the Luddites, they were at war against technology. They like weren't. They were against their way of life being destroyed by the early vestiges of capitalism, which included the mechanization really? of their jobs. Really? I didn't know the origin of that. Yeah, we're going to do a whole episode about it at some point. Um, oh, exciting. They were like, they were all losing their jobs um, to the automation of uh, textile work. I, yeah, but we should just say that when grandpa can't use computer. Yeah, exactly. As compared yeah. to like grandpa's way of life was destroyed by capitalism. Um, Which, I mean, can't two things be true at once? <laughs> true. <laughs> and so the Luddites would also declare loyalty to a fictional person, in this case, King Ludd, and cross-dress and go fuck shit up. And in, right. in Wales, in the same time period as the Molly Maguires, 1839-1843, you've got the Rebecca riots, which were farmers protesting exploitative taxes, in particular um, toll gates. Uh, mm. Apparently a lot of toll roads and fucking... 19th century Wales. Okay. I fucking hate toll roads. I hate toll roads. They I set mine like, to no t- tolls and then I drive so far out of my way to avoid tolls. They make me uh, 45 hours. They make yeah. me irrationally angry. Yeah. <laughs> like the first, like we don't really have, like I grew up in Los Angeles and we don't really have, we don't have them. And yeah. then I remember uh, there was like a family trip we went on where I went somewhere and there were so, m- and it just like, as a child, I aggressively was yeah. like, this is wrong. So yeah. I stand by childhood me. Fucked. Hell roads. yeah. Hell yeah. We're going to change your name to Rebecca riot. Oh, cool. <laughs> That, I mean, that's a way cooler name, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm, into it. I'm into it. Can they print it? We're done. I feel like the best thing that ever happened for Toll Roads is when John Goodman played a toll worker in um, Coyote Ugly. That was... I've never seen it. My, that was my pro-toll moment. <laughs> that's a movie that I was like, Margaret does not know what that is. But I, I do know what it you, is. Oh, okay. I don't think you would hate it. No, I... Yeah. I, I don't think you would hate it. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's a good summer movie. Okay. And uh, John Goodman, he, he's repping the tolls, and he's not anti the tolls. Mm-hmm. He's kind of ambivalent about the tolls. Okay, well, but you know. Anyways, I'm, I'm not, anti-toll. I'm not. I hate them. Yeah. With my whole heart. <laughs> well, they did this street theater, literally on the street, right? Where they would walk uh-huh. up in a large gang, about half of them dressed as women. Um, I also, like... Some, you know, I don't know if you knew this. Women are often written out of history. Huh. Um, I'm willing to bet if there is a large violent group of men or a group of people all dressed up as women off to go fuck something up. I bet some of them are women. Hmm. <laughs> um, you don't even have to cross dress to go do your violence if you're a woman. <laughs> No, 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 um, Magpie! You're you're t- you're talking fairy tales yeah, at this point. Yeah, um, it's like when I learned. I recently learned. Um, we just did an episode on Newsies at the um, on the Bechtel cast, and I love Newsies. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best. And I was like, were there really no women Newsies? There were, and of course. There were so yeah. many women newsies. We just did an episode on it too. Out. That's cool. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh my god! Synergy. I know. Um, yeah, no, there was so many. Yeah. And did you run across that same thing where there was a person who put on a a version of the play Newsies and like everyone was like, why'd you put women in this? Yes. And he was yes. like, I did research. 
there I Googled were women. It <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it literally, it's such an easy. And I love, I just love, like, when I was doing that research, so many places that directed me to primary sources were uh, Tumblr accounts that were horny for cast members of Newsies. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, we have really underestimated the intellectual potency of the fangirl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> totally. They've done so much for me. They're all librarians, and it's amazing. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you like the street theater element, the Rebecca uh-huh. riots, they would go up to the toll gates. I actually should have, if I thought this through, I would have put in the script. You can find the script that they read in um, one of the books that I read. I don't remember which one okay. off the top of my head. Um, it's probably in the fucking. Oh, whatever. It's Googleable. Okay, so they would go up and they would do a call of call and response. Someone was dressed up as Rebecca or would take the role of Rebecca, and uh-huh. it, um, and in this case, it's a a biblical reference um that I don't oh I see don't really get um uh. but um I know more about the fairies and guardian spirits Isn't side. She... She's like so married do you to remember someone. Rebecca, Rebecca was married to who? Oh God, I'm about to embarrass myself. I know. Um, but she had she had a baby when she was theoretically. They're like, you're too old to have a baby, and then, oh. but then oh, she God. had one. Good on her. I don't she know. put her career first, you know. Ex- exactly. She's exactly. Modern, People um, were not in pre-modern favor. Kathy. She was she was a girl boss. Yeah. Um, um, and so the girl boss would do a would lead a call and response that was like, like and everyone's like the gate is keeping you biblical Rebecca from crossing, then we must destroy it. And so street theater is best when it is also paired with direct action. Um, and <laughs> direct action is best when it's paired with theatrical elements. And while they did this, they all wore masks and some of them blackened their faces. And I don't, uh. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Uh and I'm not trying to get them off the hook by saying that. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what it means. The oldest instance of I can find of the, this general collection of islands painting your face in a way that doesn't read well and then putting on a dress and fighting against uh-huh. commons enclosure was the Western Rising in England of 1626 to 1632. Um, okay. So this goes back. And people like, I don't know, there's some shit going on. Um, I am convinced. That's a- go ahead. Oh, no. No, go ahead. I'm increasingly convinced that where the left has gone wrong is that we stopped declaring loyalty to a mythical person and then wearing elaborate costumes and then going off to commit direct action at a scale that feels like war. Mm. But we should leave blackface the fuck out of it. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's the one thing I feel sure of. I'm like, has the left not found a mythical person to latch on to yet? But have they we, don't know it's mythical. Have we not? That's true. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's the, that's the um, complicated part. Yeah, I really do. I I love to think anytime I see. I mean, because unfortunately, and not to give anyone, you know, like early twenty tens PTSD, mm-hmm. this does evoke a, a flash mob. Yeah, um, totally. It does, and we were there, and <laughs> you didn't have to like it. Uh, but I do, as someone who has uh, been encouraged to join a flash mob and ultimately didn't. I like to think in each and every one of these stagings, there was absolutely one person there who was giving it, who was not giving it a hundred percent, even close mm-hmm. was 30 percenting it was secretly like, I cannot fucking believe <laughs> there's not another way to accomplish this. <laughs> yeah. They're like, couldn't we loot this store without dressing up like this? 
It Couldn't just, we just it, be like, it's like, hey, the you're rich. We don't of like the full it. Monty. Yeah. Like it's they're, they're like, no fucking way. Surely there's another way. Yeah. And I just like to think of a grouchy Irish person being like, I have to learn to dance. Yeah. To fight for my rights. Yeah. And the answer is yes, you do. But um, I like to think of of the few, the proud, the grouchy people who did not want to be in the righteous flat, flash mob. Yeah. There's the one person who just shows up and surly in the back. It's just like, exactly. when is it time to loot? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, so the Molly Maguires, uh, who are ostensibly Catholics, not to just beat this, uh, this is just going to come up a lot, the conflict between them yeah. and the church. Um, they had a tenuous relationship with the church. Some local clergy was on their side. In 1847, okay. Father Michael McDermott was accused of encouraging his followers to kill their landlord. Ooh. He was accused of this because he did it. Uh-huh. So, based Father Michael McDermott, um, more often they'd attack the church as well because the church was overall just another ex- economic exploiter of the poor and because the church was trying to mm-hmm. criminalize uh, their behavior, right? Um, in 1846, mm-hmm. they trashed the pews of a church in County Roscommon as one example that I found. Mm. And then, in the mid-19th century, the Irish Catholic Church waged a devotional revolution trying to bring, this is is when they like Romanized the Irish church. Um, They tried to bring the pagany wild Irish into the proper flock. Um, In in the North and West of Ireland, only about 20% of the nominally Catholic folks actually went to mass on any given Sunday before the famine. Um, And, uh, and so during this devotional revolution, they went around and they fucked up all the traditional cultural stuff. Um, including the holy wells, including like attacking like belief in fairies and curses and all that shit. Uh, and they really, really hated the traditional Irish wake, which was a very raucous thing. Um, yeah. And this is probably around the same time that the Catholic Church started fucking with keening, which is the traditional wailing of Irish women over the dead, um, which was mm-hmm. almost completely wiped out by the time that audio recording technology became available. So we have like almost no actual knowledge of what fucking keening sounded like this thing that survived 1500 years of christianity as like a traditional and whatever i'm very mad at the church for but it did but but are there wait are you implying there are some that exist like early recordings there's some early recordings of people who had been taught keening who were like not necessarily like the specific traditional keeners this I didn't research this for this episode. I researched this for about a uh, a song that my metal band put out a year ago that um, we hired a, a woman who studies traditional keening as best as is able um, to record keening wow. into it. Uh-huh. And um, it's called a malacht, which is a curse. There's a whole other thing that I, it, God, there's a wow. traditional Irish okay. curse culture that a lot of it was ways to curse your landlord and they are fucking intense. Um, and it was like, a lot of the ways actually that women were involved in class struggle was this like, like, you know, that thing that in, in Ukraine early on in the, in the invasion where like uh, a woman walks up to a Russian soldier and says, here, put these seeds in your pocket so that something beautiful grows when you die and rot here. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of energy that like Irish women were bringing to class struggle. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. It's just, it, it is a game of 4D chess. Yeah. Uh, that they're playing at all times. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, 
And so these folk Catholics weren't necessarily actually pagans. I'm calling them pagany in the sense, uh, but they would have considered themselves devoutly Catholic. They just meant something very, very different by it. So that the devotional, the devotional revolution is something I'm very frustrated with. And it impacts a lot of this. Uh, the Molly Maguires who later went to the U.S., a lot of them came from the west coast of County Donegal, um, which is now the bit of the north of Ireland that isn't Northern Ireland. It's the part that's still part of Ireland, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's the northwest corner. At this point, it's a real backwater, which meant that the traditional ways of life and the Irish language survived better there. Mm-hmm. The Irish-speaking part of Ireland gets called the Gaeltacht, and it was sort of the arc that Irish culture was able to return from. And Donegal was a place that was majority Catholic, but not over, so overwhelmingly so as the south of Ireland. Instead, it was a place where an Irish-speaking impoverished majority worked for an English-speaking Protestant minority. And so the Molly uh, Maguires... Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's more tension in, in a lot of this place, you know? Um, right. And so the, the Molly Maguires that came to the U.S. came from the western part of Donegal, which is a land of, of waste and bog, and it is one of the poorest and most isolated parts of Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. in the 1800s people in Donegal a lot of them were like literally dirt poor uh, it was very common you'd have a cottage for a family right uh, the animals would sleep mm-hmm. inside on one half of the cottage and the entire family would sleep on loose hay on the other half um, okay. and this isn't because they are backwards this is because they have been robbed um, over the course of okay. centuries right um, People had such rudimentary clothing that visitors were scandalized by the scantily clad women. This is another sign of their like wild pagan ways, which is like partly that they didn't have the same like cultural conventions around modesty, but partly is that they didn't have any fucking money, right? Right, which is like never included in the demonization of like yeah. First of all, who fucking cares? And second of all, there's no yeah no context for why that's happening in the first place. Yeah, and so they would grow food all year and then have to sell all of their food that wasn't potatoes. Um, okay. They would, uh, they would buy a calf on really, really bad credit terms and then sell it when it was fully grown, barely able to cover the cost of buying the calf. Um, mm-hmm. But in some parts of the Northwest, you had this medieval form of communal land holding called Rundale, um, which had died out everywhere else, or most everywhere else. And what it was is that the tenants, so they would collectively rent a fuck ton of land, right? A whole village would rent the village. Um, And they would parcel it out amongst themselves fairly. Not so that everyone ends up with the same, it's not like they would like pool all their money, but instead they would pool all their wealth producing resources so that everyone had an equal Mm -hmm. chance to produce wealth. So everyone had a bit of good land and a bit of shitty land. Everyone had a bit of pasture land and everyone had a bit of like some rocks down by the ocean where you could get some seaweed. And it it was non-contiguous, right? So you'd, uh, and folks worked together to make sure that it was allotted fairly. Go ahead. Oh, so so because you're given uh, equitable chunks of land in terms of land quality, as it were, that means that you have, your bad chunk could be Far away from your good chunk kind yep. of thing? Yep. I see. Okay. Yeah. It sounds kind of like a pain in the ass, but it it's like yeah. but why also, they didn't all start It sounds like you would probably have... Right. And also, like, you would have to sort of... I mean, yeah, ultimately a pain in the ass, but you would have to get to know more people and, and ally with more people in that chunk of land between your, your good bit and your bad bit. Yeah. Um, and they would yeah. do the same with animals. They would, like, collectively own the animals and then care... like 
sort of parcel them out so that everyone had like a shitty cow and a good cow or whatever. I don't think people had more than one cow, but like, Oh, not um, their shitty cow. Wow. <laughs> There's a Pixar movie. Yeah. <laughs> the Rundale Pixar shitty movie. Cow. <laughs> um, yeah. And so this system is part of, is included in what Marx calls primitive communism, which is actually just mm. communism without the extra steps. Like specifically Marx believed that you had to, be industrialized before you could become communism and so primitive communism which clearly existed like kind of fucked with his theory so he denigrated it to primitive communism yeah there it is yeah Yeah. um yeah yeah. i deleted this whole rant about why Engels was anti-irish out of the script and everyone can thank me (laughs) and and also animals were usually moved on may 1st and november 1st from different pieces of the land right um, which not coincidentally okay. lines up with the Celtic holidays, May Day and Halloween, right. and the attendant agrarian violence against the landlords, um, which would peak on Ooh, those nights. Okay. Spicy days. Yeah. Eventually, owners break the Rundale system. They force everyone to be traditional tenants. And the way they do it, the way that the tenant, the Rundale people, um, uh, the way they fight that is they're like, all right, fine. Everyone's land has to be contiguous. It's called squaring the land. And the mm-hmm. way that they would do it is they're like, we still want everyone to have good land and shitty land because that's the traditional way we've been doing it for thousands of years. So they would have the contiguous land would be like three feet wide and like a mile long. <laughs> so it would go across <laughs> okay. good parts and bad parts. Um, Again, just theater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Great. Love it. And then also during all of this, during the destruction of this way of life in County Donegal, they broke up the tr- traditional Irish inheritance system in which property was divided equally between all of the children rather than going to the eldest son. Um, it's actually mm-hmm. this change is why my great-grandparents had to emigrate from County Galway, right? Because under the old system, everyone of every gender inherits equally. Uh, under the new system, only the oldest son inherits. So if you are not a son or you're not the oldest you're fucked and you pretty much got to go to the U.S. Um, or somewhere oh. else. And that's why we're here. What a treat. Yeah. And then, the equal, so this equal inheritance system was destroyed after the famine, basically. Um, famine killed mm-hmm. not just a fuck ton of the Irish, but it also killed a fuck ton of the Irish traditional co- communistic uh, customs and religious culture. So Donegal was mm-hmm. enclosed, mostly for sheep farming. Um, people fought against it. Lots of sheep went missing or found killed. But all of this gets blamed on Molly Maguireism, and some of it probably was. But later, people figured out that, like, the Scottish farmers were just, like, stealing the sheep and selling them themselves, you know? Like, they were, like... Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and everything just gets blamed on the Molly Maguires. But the Molly Maguires... God, it's so... Mm-hmm, yeah, that's, like, so... That's so, I don't know, hist- uh, historically frustrating that it's, like, we... We'll never know who did what because of whatever the predominant media culture at the time, what they wanted us to think. I know. And it's like so hard to be like, damn it. How much did the Molly Maguire, like everything got blamed on them. Um, And it's hard because in like, in some ways, therefore their actions like furthered a lot of, you know, anti-Irish sentiment and stuff like that. Right. But also like, I'm just fucking not mad at people who Robin Hood when they're starving to death. Like, I'm pro it, right? There's a reason they're on my show, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Right. (laughs) That is the show, is it not? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the Molly Maguires, they're not famous uh, in the U.S. for what they did in Ireland. 
They're famous for what they did in Pennsylvania, which involved lots of murder and arson and class war and weird unionism. And we'll talk about it on Wednesday. Cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, got a Pennsylvania cliffhanger. <laughs> for some reason, I've heard about Pennsylvania more than I've heard about Pennsylvania in like years just this week. Really? It's a big Pennsylvania week. I don't know why. Mm. I hate spelling Pennsylvania. Now that I think Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh, it's annoying. Me too. I love Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's great. And not just because they have the ketchup museum. Yeah, that's I exactly why like you love Pittsburgh. them. Don't lie. That's a, big re- that's a big reason. It's a big okay. reason I can't lie. But it's not the only reason. Fair, fair. Yeah. Um, speaking of things uh, that are loved, uh, Jamie Loftus. Do you have anything you want to plug? Wow, thanks, Sophie. Uh, I yes, you should buy a book about hot dogs. It's the summer to do it. There's no way around it. Hot dog day is right around the corner, and don't think too hard about the implications of it. Uh, or do when you read my book, Raw Dog: The Naked Truth About Hot Dogs. Anything you would ever want to know about hot dogs, except more things I've learned since. Um, and you can get that on uh, bookshop.org, which will automatically uh, route you to buy the book from your nearest independent bookstore. So do that. And uh, don't talk to me on the internet. I'm tired. Eh. <laughs> uh, I started a sub stack. And if you want a <gasps> newsletter where twice a month, I send out a free thing to everyone that's like more about preparedness and history and all that stuff I talk about a lot. Um, and then the other half is subscriber only and is like more personal. And I'm writing memoir and um, a lot of other stuff there. And so you can support me or just read my stuff at just, you're not going to type in the URL. You're just going to Google it. Type in Margaret Kiljoy Substack. And also... I just did. Oh, awesome. <laughs> also, there's Sophie who has things oh, yeah. to plug. Oh, yeah. Uh, listen to Sad Oligarch, which is a podcast on this very network, Cool Zone Media. Uh, you can find it on all the podcast apps. It's hosted by our friend Jake Hanrahan, who's the best. Um, and for anything else, at Cool Zone Media. I'm still on the internet. You could find me. I'm not telling you how. That's my plug. We'll see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye. Bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts on Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit tomboyx.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.